This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 58, Player Profile, Hunter. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. So Hunter, there was a lot of ways uh, this tournament could have shaken out. There's a lot of there's a lot of variants. In Wait, how many aren't you gonna start with like an annoying song? Or no, like, I think I'm just gonna start like with the a... facts, the cold hard facts. I gotta get down to the numbers. It's about factuality, and and it's time to break it all down. We ha- the numbers are in, and it's time to tell the people what they want to know. You already you did like a numbers are in thing, like the the I know. Are well, in that's why thing. I didn't that start like the with the episode. numbers are in the polls because election day we're we're past it. We're done now. It's time for 538's podcast analysis of the numbers. It's time to break it down and see where what? we got everything. <laughs> yeah, wrong. was it a blue wave or wasn't it? <laughs> uh, so. We, we had a bunch of ranges. I, I had been making tournament structures for the past few weeks um, with a bunch of different amounts in mind. So I had just like, okay, if we get between 61 and 72, it has to look like this. 73 to 90 is this. Um, and we were approaching, we, we broke 90. And so 90 was the 90 to 108 category with 108 being the like, that's like the perfect number. Right. Um, especially with within all of the range. The, the perfect well, why, number Why is, was it the perfect number? So the perfect number is 216 because that's three full rounds, six player rounds, right? That's right. six or 36 games of six that lead to six games of six that lead to one game of six. It's a perfect right. tournament. Right. Um, 108 is half that, which means you get your best distribution of numbers kind of to, to make it simple. To right. go into any other branch... Um, makes us have to do a ton of games. And honestly, that that was kind of a part of this is like, we can't do a million games because we're, we are hosting all of these. Like if it was going to be 50 games, it was, it's going to take all of 2019 to do. Right. So like that just, it just wasn't an option. So the cool thing is we wound up with exactly 108 contestants, uh, which is, pretty freaking lucky on right, our part right. to, to have a, a perfectly even number um so i'm gonna break down what our tournament is gonna look like well, for everyone the, right l- off let's, the bat let's here. be honest everybody we did throw in about a hundred bots into oh the, yeah yeah into yeah. The it's, pool. yeah there's really not that many of you at all there's only eight uh, people that listen to the show and they all are <laughs> in uh and then it's gonna be a hundred bots and we bet you won't be able to tell but yeah they're all yeah, gonna be like yeah. i am here to play twilight imperium <laughs> would you like to trade goods um so the first round the preliminary round of the tournament is 18 games of six now this is assuming everyone shows up on time for their game and you know is actually competes but if with with the raw numbers we have if everyone actually plays their games it's 18 six player games Mm -hmm. the winners of each game go on to three semifinal games right eight 18 players makes up three semifinal games of six now this is where we run into problems, right? Because then we only have three winners of those games, and we need to get three more players for a championship game. So what we've decided to do is 
uh, what I'm calling a knockout round. It's really just a double elimination, but it's not a f- it's it's not like the typical double elimination of like a, a tournament where like if we were to do double elimination from the very first round on, it would be like a hundred games. It's mm-hmm. like it gets crazy. Whatever. That's exaggerating, but it's terrible. Uh, the three knockout games are the five players that don't win their semifinal game, which ends up being fifteen players. Then right, three games, fifteen players. Those fifteen players will get reshuffled. And they will play three five-player games. Uh, so the winners of those three five-player games also get to go on to the championship. So I understand that this means that a bunch of people get two shots to make it into the tournament. Well, if you make it through the prelims, you get If you two make it shots, through the prelims. Um, and and I, it, I'm okay with this because we've talked back and forth uh, about this a lot. And it's just... It doesn't make sense to do any other... Like, we, we want it to be a tournament where you only move forward if you got first place. Right. Uh, so, so the alternative would be something like allowing first and second to move on in some sort of structure or assigning points or whatever. And we're just not doing that. It doesn't make sense, and it's too easy to abuse. But having five people just get to play another game that's a five-player game, you, you can't, like, abuse that very well, right? Like, right. you either won the semifinal game or you didn't, and then you have to play another game, and then you need to win that game. Right. So... It's as simple as we could make it, and that gives us six players for the championship game. And that's the whole structure. That's 25 total games. Uh, hopefully, we're playing them one or two per week. Maybe more if we can make it you know, work, but obviously, that's, that's a lot of hours per week to make it all happen. Um, so, I mean, realistically, this could be like six months or like four months worth of games. Um, so, it, it's going to be a long tournament. Uh, but... To do anything different would just mean we have way too many games and it, and it makes it too long. So we, we went for as concise of a tournament as we can make with the concession of like, well, there's going to be a few five-player games. But here's and our goal. When, when are we going to start, baby? We're going to try. We, we, we're going to start in January uh, because there's too many holidays coming up to really be able to get games started. And we would like start, we'd play a couple of games, and then there'd be like a big hiatus right at the beginning of the tournament. And it just seemed like, why not hit the ground running? And all, more importantly, it's going to take time because we want to schedule these this game, these games with all of the players, right? We, we, right. We're not going to... Our plan is to not say, here are all the time slots. I'm assigning to this. If you don't show up, too bad. Like, yeah, we, we actually we sent want out messages. everybody to show up. Like, we, we want we, everyone to show up. So the whole thing is everyone that filled out the submission form knows that I asked for days of the week that you're available, what time zone you're in. We're going to try to use all of that information. We'll send out emails. We'll get ideas of like when people can play. We'll start scheduling games. We'll put them on the books. We'll send out notifications, you know, weeks beforehand of the actual game. And uh, the idea is we're just going to do our best to make sure everyone has comfortable access to the game. And we, we really appreciate players who are willing to be very flexible with the, their schedules. But we are trying to also accommodate the people who have limited flexibility. Right. Um, if there are no shows in the preliminary rounds... We will pull, we'll, we'll find out which players are still available. You know, we'll try to put people on retainer, basically. People have upcoming games scheduled. Uh, we might try to have them come into this game and then see if we can reschedule the other ones. You know, we might be constantly rescheduling games, uh, which is annoying, but there's just no other way to do it. Um, and we will try to add the no-show to a later game. We don't want to punish no-shows right away because, honestly, I'm more interested in maintaining the integrity of the structure of the tournament than I am like, oh, you didn't show up? Too bad. I, right. I don't care that your you know, kid had to go to the doctor or something. Like, I, I want to give people... Let them have their excuses to not show up. So, but if this happens, obviously, if this happens in, like, the last games of the prelim round, we, we will have to just forfeit people and... and you know, that sucks, but we're going to do our best to make sure that like 
we notify everyone and we stay ahead of the cancellations and just keep anyone from having to drop out in that prelim round. Now, as far as semis and uh, the knockout round and the championship, I mean, I can't imagine a world where someone just doesn't show up for the, the semifinal game or the championship game. Right. Um, if, if someone lets us know ahead of time that they can't do it, you know, we probably will reschedule because I would rather have the game with all of the winners than to just like kick someone out. Uh, but if someone completely has to leave and is like, nope, I'm not doing the tournament anymore, you know, we'll, we'll just have to work on that case-by-case basis. Uh, uh, I, we do not want to go down to four-player games. So if it messes up the knock-up games to, and turns one of them into a four-player games, I, I don't know yet what we will do. But luckily, we're far enough away from that where hopefully it won't happen. And if it does, we'll have come up with something by that point. Uh, we obviously will take suggestions, but we're trying to avoid four-player games. Um, and that's it. That's the tournament. That's what it's going to look like. So be expecting emails uh, and lots of correspondence with us between now and January, uh, trying to schedule these out. And like, I mean, we're basically expecting one or two games every weekend starting in January and then any games uh, during the week that we have to do. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm freaking pumped uh, and I'm Me just too. glad that we got a number that makes some sense. Uh, it's amazing that we ended up with a, like a perfect nice round number that that makes it easier it was going to be a lot more of a nightmare to have like you know 15 out of 18 games were five player games or whatever yeah, like there, there yeah. was a lot of different ways it was gonna to have to shake out and we ended up with the easiest solution so yeah I'm, be I'm happy that. that i'm happy at the lack of five player games that it is mostly all six player games and that the five mm-hmm. player games are nestled past yeah two six so like if you know the prelims obviously are all going to be six so that will all be, in my opinion, fair. Um, yeah. The, I feel like in five-player games is when things get a little bit fishy, but where we yeah. place them, I feel like, is the nicest place for them to right. be. Right. You're, you're being given a second chance to get into the finals, but you have to do a five-player game where things get a little bit weirder. So right. you got to... You have to... You have to, It's the gauntlet, right? It's right. The five-player games are the, okay, well, this is your last chance, and it's going to be different. Right. I think um, it's just crazy though that we're like we're gonna have a championship game of of people that won you know at least two games of Twilight Imperium yeah, of to people get there. pushing for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited, excited for that. For that. Um, I, I have a couple questions that I feel like uh, we get regularly about this yeah. that I would just like to address. Um, people that are interested in watching these games, what are their options? Yeah. Are they going to be able to do that? Uh, no, no, we're not uh, because. <laughs> There's no way to I like stream how I it. set you up to say. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I didn't set uh, myself up to say no. I set you up to say no. That's so me. Be the bad guy. <laughs> there's no way to stream these games uh, and make and ensure that the players aren't cheating. Uh, we trust right. most of the players, but like, there's nothing to stop someone with like a two monitor setup from just having it up. There's no amount. You cannot set up a stream with a ten hour long delay. Right. Uh, that I mean, and, and like a thirty minute delay isn't enough for Twilight Imperium. Twilight Imperium. You can hold an action card in your hand for 30 minutes. It's that true. is possible. It's totally true. So, uh, however, do that being said, we, why, like, what, what is the compromise there? We are going to record every single game. Yeah, we will, Hunter and I will have a recording of every game. Whether or not the entirety of the recording gets released or clips from the recording to just showcase, like, what, how the game went, I, I don't know. I mean, the easiest thing is to just upload the whole video and let people watch it, but we kind of have to be. Um, cognizant of other people's desires you know if someone in the game doesn't want their voice streamed we have to respect that we have we have to you know we, we got to do what we can to protect people's right identities and whatever uh so um 
for every game that all six players, you know, consent to being put on YouTube, we will we'll upload it to YouTube. And anything else, uh, we're obviously going to have constant coverage. Uh, every single episode is going to be about, or, or is going to have a segment about the games we just, you know, watched and played. And we're going to talk about the tournament a lot. Like, we want that to be a, a figurehead of the show. It's going to be a point of the show is analyzing and breaking down games and, you know, seeing how things went. Um, oh, another thing, we've talked about this before, but it's worth bringing up now while, you know, we're talking about the tournament, but uh, every single map is, we made the maps. They're all pre-made maps that we decided on. Uh, we even just tested one out that is probably going to remain fairly unchanged. We might make small adjustments, but uh, we just played a good Eden Brotherhood game, and the and the map that we used in that was one that I think we're pretty interested in using as, as a map for the tournament. Um, well, so we which, are going to be bringing maps to the table. Which round do you want to use that one in? I want to use it for the preliminary round, but there's there's more testing that we, we should go through. But I think it's a pretty fair map for anyone to play on. It's a comfortable map, and I think it requires players to take advantage of the meta or um, get get really brave. Uh, because it's it's a map where you can really kind of easily maybe win in your own pie slice. Like, right. You can very easily Cold War it. And so if you want to push yourself to steal a victory, you have to do something, you know, you got to make brave maneuvers i think so. it's an interesting uh pie slice for the prelims because there's gonna be so many games it, there's you know there's gonna be 18 prelim games um and what's nice about this map is that it is i think as even as is possible when it comes to just the raw resource and influence values of all of the slices yeah. Um, and obviously it, it, it all, uh, nobody has any control objectives inside their slice. Uh, right. nobody has too many, um, tech skips. Not every slice has a tech skip. It's right. kind of impossible for them all, but, mm -hmm. but at the very least, it's a map that is designed around the idea that, uh, there's nothing equidistant and you have everything you need in your pie slice. Um, but nothing more like nobody has excess. Nobody has, it's very, very balanced within the pie slices, but it makes for a little bit more boring, of a map um but we wanted to get that out of the way because we thought the truly great players would would do things that set themselves apart from just anyone else who can you know right like hold it's, on it's, to it's a the prelim slice. so the idea would be like we want it to be a very level uh field because so many people are going to play on that map on the prelims right. map right. so if that one is the most even as far as we can figure and doesn't have any weird wonkiness to it um, that just seems the most fair now, yeah. and it will be the same map for every single game. I don't know if we've like made that, that will very not clear. Be a, yeah, the map will that, not like, be a variable for any no, round of the game. Eighteen games will be played on the exact same map, so you can't, you know, you can't really use the justification of like, well, they won their game because their map favored this. It's like, nope, everyone is playing on the exact same map, right? And it favors all the same races the same way. So you just have to know what the best factions are for that map. We're, we're leaning into those types of decisions. We are not doing a tournament where every single faction is like a viable candidate, right? You mm -hmm. have to, as a player, decipher which factions are good for the map. Mm -hmm. And that's how we're going forward with like the whole mentality of the tournament. Well, except for, I mean, the, the idea though is that the prelim, the idea of the prelims map the, as it stands now, which obviously this is not finalized, would be that you can pretty much play whatever faction you want and yes. it, it will be okay. But there are strengths. Like we saw, like my favorite thing about the map is there's a pie slice that is got a red and a yellow tech skip in it, which right. means like, Muat had a killer game. Right. They had prototype. Let's talk about that game. Yeah, let's, wanna, let's, talk let's, about, let's, let's break just down go, the Let's go straight into it. So our good Yin Brotherhood game we played, uh, I was Xcha, Hunter was Hakan. We had a Muat. We had 
a Sardak, we had a Isarl, and we had a Lizix. Right. Um, and this was with the faction draft. So Muwa and Sardak, both like people very quickly in the in this faction draft went for like, no, let's get bad factions in there. And it made people even more want to not include good factions. Like Asaro was right. the best faction that got in. Right. Um and it, it was interesting well, to see Hakan that Well, Hakan, too. Hakan. Well, Hakan's good. Yeah, yeah, And Hakan was used as a way to balance that out, too. Like, the bad factions were getting in, and everyone was like, we need Hakan in there because we need something that's going to kind of distribute wealth and, like, help people out. Right. Uh, what's crazy, though, is that, I mean, you, you might as well just throw out everything that me and Matt ever say because I would say that Sardak and Muat had the best, the best games Basically, oh yeah, they killed everybody. Uh, so they were awesome. Th- this isn't much of a spoiler because it's not a game you can watch. We didn't record this one, but Sardak won. Uh, Sardak won again because they had a comfortable slice and they made good relationships with both their neighbors. Uh, worth noting, Sardak got tech three rounds in a row. Yeah. Uh, so that was wild. So, so which Sardak I, had more Which, tech by the way, I take no responsibility for that. Um, I was to Sardak's left. And every yeah. time I would see Sardak take tech, I was like, what is happening? Why is this yeah. happening? I was so well, frustrated. The first round is just because I was extra and I was gonna I, I wanted to make my diplomacy play gambit. I've been having this plan for months of how I wanna try a, a round one through three extra extra thing and so I did diplomacy, the next person did warfare, and so Sardak was third in order and got tech. Then that round he played a uh political stability, so he got it the next round. Yeah. Yeah. And then the third round, he was just high in speaker order. It had jumped around, and he was like, you know, second pick that round. So it just, it, it was just pretty, worked out that you know, way. It was crazy, it just, though. Yeah, it worked out, and it, it helped him a lot. And Muat uh, established a comfortable relationship with him. You know, they traded support for the thrones at, at one point, uh, basically because I denied trading support for the thrones with Muat. So there's a there's a kick in my pants for not just taking the trade. If if you don't do the swap, they'll just do the swap with someone else, right. and then push themselves at you so that's something i learned this game i was gutted by mua in round two again they got prototype war sun two round two they they had that upgrade immediately right round one they got majin round two they skipped red and yellow to get prototype war sun two so that you know when hunter and i say like you should do gravity drive instead of prototype war sun two well no not if you have a red and a yellow yeah, text, if you have a red obviously yeah, duh. yeah duh. <laughs> definitely uh he yeah so he could he just parked war suns in his home system and at any point was allowed to like threaten my home system or something near it he I mean, basically made a play against me saying hey let's do support for the throne swaps and i was in an uncomfortable position at the moment i had a couple empty planets and my fear with support for the throne is always well you need units there for them to not be able to target it so if i leave those planets empty he can just abuse that and i told right. him that. i said hey let me let me defend my planets first then i will gladly do a support for the throne i just i'm nervous about doing it right away right um and then he attacked my home system instead so i instead of letting him just take Saudor, which was empty uh i gave him the opportunity to he had a blockade secret objective so that was bad luck on my part that he just like i was in range of what he needed and yeah he took my home system and I spent, and this was on my round three that I also was using as my swing round. I had Imperial. I was going to take Mechatol Rex, but Asaro played a parlay on me. And then Mechatol took my home system. So it was a disastrous round three, which the whole thing with my strategy was using round three as a swing round. Like I built up this whole network strategy around taking diplomacy, taking construction or using construction uh, to then build my flagship round two and then threaten with that flagship round three for points. Yeah. And was almost there and then just got completely crushed. And I spent the rest of the game, 
you know, recoiling and trying to fit. It's the same thing as the last uh, good Yin Brotherhood game. I, I just spent most of the game crawling my way back up from disastrous loss. I actually think that you would have had a better shot with the with the overall strategy had, well, first of all, had, had Muat not had that excellent slice. But also I feel like one thing that played into it was the fact that I was Hakan or that there was a Hakan at all. I mean, I think any Hakan would have had the issue I was having, which was with you taking diplomacy round one, there was a lot of wealth already distributed out there. And so I didn't know what to do with my, so I just ended up trading with what I thought, you know, in round one, I was like, I'll trade with Sardak and Muat because they're bad factions or whatever. Right, and I should have right. paid more attention to Muat's slice and saw that potential for prototype War Sun 2. I did not see that. Um, yeah. And so, honestly, I was early trade partners with Sardak and Muat, and they ended up having a great game. They got yeah. they just got off to such a good economic start. And yeah. I know that Muat is saying, like, hey, that, that, that Muat said that that was not a very big factor. I'm not necessarily saying that, that it was so much as, like, with Sardak it was. Yeah. Like, Sardak had Sardak access to tech, tech, access and, to tech and money and... Yep. And de- and could d- secondary diplomacy right. round one. Sardak so, like, got rich round Sar- one. Sardak did not have to go through the normal. But the thing was, to me, I was like, I didn't know what to do because yeah. I felt like everybody was kind of a bad trade partner with diplomacy in the mix. Yeah. So I just picked the two factions that I thought were going to benefit the least because they had the yep. worst start. Because they're bad. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I agree, and I get it. It just it it definitely. Lots of things just kind of slowly picked away at me, and then a major attack sealed the deal pretty much. Right. Well, um, I mean, the, there's nothing you could do about pro, like Prototype War Sun two that early in the game. Round two. That's what do you, crazy. There's no defense for that. That's yep. just like I uh, should have. I should have planned for it. I mean, the defense for that is I should have had my flag. I should have foregone having my flagship next to Mechatol, and I should have just kept my flagship close to home so yeah. that it could properly defend my home system. But I, I was getting, I was going for you know points which i think i still stand by honestly like extra if extra doesn't get the points early they never get ahead they I, i've seen it so many times now you have to find a way to get early points as extra right, and that's right. what i was going for and i just got punished uh hunter i was the peace turtles you were the space cats we played a game as space cats peace turtles so, what, what and we was didn't even realize like? it until we didn't even mean to yeah um so uh i felt bad about some of my choices like i said i felt like i was trading with the wrong people early game um, but I did not know what to do. Um, I was <laughs> I I was attacked by a trickster L one early. You can't even. You almost can't even call it an attack, right? It was just though. Lizix had the opportunity to do this slick little maneuver that would. It was punishing you for leaving your home system empty. Right now, the the thing there is you had a wall of units between you and Lizix, but Lizix happened to have a skilled retreat. Right. So skilled, he he activated a system, sent his fleet in, and then immediately skilled retreated into your home well, system. Well, it's, de- it's deeper than that because he baited me out. So what happened was he, yeah. he parked in oh, empty right. space right next to uh, the, the system adjacent to my home system. Yep. And uh, I, you know, I Defended. had gone green first, and then I was going to go blue. So I did not have gravity drive yet. Um, and... Or, or I didn't have upgraded dreadnoughts. Regardless, the point is, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to scoot up my fleet yeah. um, to make sure that he doesn't. Because I, th- I thought there were some control objectives out. I thought he was going for 
my planets. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to leave my home system empty because I need to be able to win this fight. Right. Um, right. I thought he, he was a just lot going for a straight up straight up fight. Um, yep. And instead, he activates that system, plays a skilled retreat, and skilled retreats into my home system, which which I was even surprised by that, because when he played the skilled retreat, I thought he was going to um, go to one of my other adjacent systems to go right, for the right. planets eventually. Um, he was kind of unlucky, though, because I had a great action card game in general. So I got Neural yes. Round 1 and was well, trading with Isarl like like crazy. Yeah. I want to I give you credit for that, too. You were... Like people were just coming to you with offers as well, mm -hmm. but I think it's because you like I don't know you made good offers early, so people. I think that's a thing. That's like a factor in the meta, right? Is if right. you make really really juicy deals early, people throughout the game are like, "He's making juicy deals. Right. I gotta come to the table." I, and so then you can gradually make your deals less and less juicy because they're already kind of on your side. So if right. you're in those first two rounds, just like, "Hey, come on, like fire sale. Like here's yeah. anything you want." Yeah. I, and then they keep coming back to you for more. And you're Hakan, so you get to leverage a lot more than anybody else right. still. Yeah, I was I was making a lot of deals with I made a lot of deals with Sardak, Mua, and Isarl throughout most of the game. Yeah. Um I I made a deal with you, uh but it ended up not paying off. It ended up being pretty poor for for you, and that was not part of yeah. my plan or anything. I felt like we did have a fair deal. It just yep. ended up it crushed me. It, it, so yeah, I had a really I had a up. direct hit in hand. Actually, let's let's detail this. I want yeah. <laughs> people to understand how horribly unlucky right. my you, round yeah. two was. Round three. My round three was. So I was gonna take Mechatol Rex, uh, with my flagship adjacent, not pushing my flagship onto Mechatol, but just having it sitting there and then protecting right. Mechatol from next door. Um, but I knew that Muat had War Sons in his home system, three spaces away from my home system. But I wasn't even thinking he was going to attack my home system because my plan was to do a support for the throne trade with him soon. I just had to get to that moment. Um, I attack Asarl on Mechatol Rex, but I have I don't have a great number of ground forces. I have enough. It's in my favor, but like barely in my favor. Right. Um, you know, probably like a 55% chance or whatever. I didn't, I don't know if I did the math, but like it was not a, a sure thing. So I needed to make it a sure thing. And I knew that Hunter had traded and gotten Teklar Legion from Sardak Nord. Right. Sardak Nord promissory note that gives you a plus one bonus to all of ground combat. Um, so I knew that I needed to get that from Hunter and I was hoping Hunter maybe had something else like a morale boost or whatever. Um, so I wanted to buy an action card and Teklar Legion from Hunter. Uh, he didn't have an action card that was going to help me, or at least he wasn't offering me uh, I, an action I, card I, that one. I didn't. I I, yeah. I wanted, I, I noticed, I, like, I even in the conversation, I remember saying, like, ooh, you really need this. Like, and I, mm -hmm. I wanted. I, you didn't want to give me something. That you said, the way you worded it is, I don't want to just give you something that you really need. Right. So. Like, you, so, you knew that you had that leverage over me. Right. And I knew I, I knew I had the leverage, but what I, I wanted to do more, like, I, I honestly. What I wanted was to get more from you and also give you more. The yeah. the problem was that that the only thing that I really had that was useful to you was Teclar. I was being honest about that because yeah, yeah. anytime I recognize that a player is is in a lower like I can I I have leverage exactly. on them. I I want to get as much out of that as I can. Yeah, so I would have been down to give you a morale boost or whatever. I would have been down to give you pretty much right. anything that would have been useful to get more and more from you. But right. So the ending deal was I gave you my trade agreement as extra mm -hmm. that's worth four trade goods that was equal to the best you could get in the game right and i had to give you my direct hit action card which i was nervous about because i knew i had muat to maybe deal with except for i wasn't right. thinking i was facing down an attack yet uh and i thought at worst he'll take Saudor or something um so i attack mechatol rex 
uh, when I go to take the planet, Isarl just plays Parlay, so the Teklar Legion I don't even need Was now. Was useful, yeah. And I don't have the direct hit, and the next turn, Muat attacks my home system with two War Suns. Right. Uh, and I had three PDS shots in range, and I scored... Or no, I had four PDS shots in range, and I scored three of them. Right. Against the... Or, or whatever... All I... What I remember is, if I had had the direct hit, I was one shot away yeah, no, it, from it, killing it, it the ended war up being... I got a hit. There, there was one damaged war sun right. above my home right. system, and that right. was it. And then he invaded one of my planets. You know, so, honestly, we should have... disaster. Like, I, I, you can resolve a transaction at any time. Yeah, I should have traded it back. I should have bought yeah, it back you, you should You should have bought it back, because I, I... Honestly, I didn't even think about it in the moment. I was so tilted after the parlay right. and getting attacked. I right. was just like, well, all right, cool, I'm doomed, whatever. I, I honestly... didn't think about well, see, being what, able to get it back from What's you. interesting about... So, like, what's interesting about my like my philosophy with something like that... Um, if if somebody's approaching me like, hey, I want to do a deal uh, because I want to get Mechatol, well, then like, uh, like I feel like they should have to pay a lot for that. But like, it's not, it's never, and I wish other players thought this way because I feel like nobody does. But like, it's never in my interest for another player to invade another player's home system. That is never ever what I want. Um, so like, why do I, you say that? I mean, I, I would argue that like you're you're watching two players hurt each other. Why is that not? Uh, Ex- well, just explain that to me. Because getting that kind of leverage over another player makes the player that gets their home system from them, first of all, eligible for a lot of juicy uh, victory points that basically yeah. most people are not going to be eligible for, which is the potential potential to take a lead ahead of everybody. But right. also, that player is go- like most home systems are worth a lot of resources and influence yeah. they're right. they are the best they are Juicy the best systems. system tiles in the game yeah um you cannot sit idly by and let someone have that lever like i i consider and this is maybe kind of a cold war of looking at it but basically i think most of the time when one player takes another player's home system that everyone should be looking at that player and right. we actually didn't really do that with muat uh based off of that um, yeah which we 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 really should have. I think actually the the sad truth of it was that once Muat has prototype War Sun two, no one can do anything about it until yeah. maybe the late game. But right. we didn't have a Barony. L one probably could have done more, but L one my was flagship could have done more. But then I was I was just scrambling to to get things back in the right position. Right. I mean it was it was a it was a tough go. And again, these were pie slices that were pretty wealthy. Yeah. So he was consistently able to afford. He he bought two War Suns over the course of the game. I killed two War Suns. That yeah. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was drew, playing pretty fast. And then and I, I killed two war sons, and then drew the secret objective to kill a war son. Oh god, that's, that's um, just but awful to, to your point, Hunter. If if my attack on Mechatol had been successful and I hadn't lost my home system, it would have been a four point round for me. So like you would have you would have gotten to, back in the to prove in the, the point of what you're to prove the point of what you're saying. Yeah, if you like give someone who's that desperate for it, like that's a huge swing. Like that, you could have just given me the game by giving me Teklar Legion. You right, know, if the right. luck had played but, out differently. Yeah, so I, uh, I, and the reason I wanted the direct hit is I was facing off with L1, and L1 uh, hadn't gone the, uh, L1 went, and I kind of like it more and more every time I see it, L1 went red-green, which is yeah. not the, is not, uh, well, not, went red-green-yellow, and then to inheritance, and then got whatever blue tech they wanted yeah, from off right. inheritance. Right, um, right. Which, when I see that, it's like, okay, so you're not going to have a great early game as L1. But, like, he kind of did anyways. Uh, it's just that 
So let's go back to L1's maneuver. We actually didn't cover how that yeah, yeah, how that resolved. Yeah. So L1 um, goes for a system adjacent to my home system, use a skilled retreat to skilled retreat into uh, my home system, which honestly, um, it was annoying, but not because of the action cards I had. I was like, this is not going to hurt me. Yeah. But it did, I, anytime I have to turn around, like, sucks. it really sucks. It's not good to yeah. have to turn your ships around. Exactly. You want to, and, and this, and this is kind of where my game fell apart in general, is that I did not, I did not structure my slice very well. And that I did not have like ships and then ships and then ships. It, yeah. They kind of ended up clustering together because I was honestly, because I was facing off against L1 and his, yeah, fle his fleets were bigger. His fleets were bigger, and they're they're better fleets. He has better abilities uh, in that way. So I felt like I yeah I was too focused on fighting L one, and it kind of messed up my mid game. But anyways, here's what happened. So I had already activated the fleet um, that could respond. It looked like I had no way to prevent L one from uh, blockading my space dock, um, right. and I wouldn't be able to retaliate until next round. The thing was, I had unexpected action, so I played that like got th got that fleet back. Um, and then attacked him with like a pretty, it was a pretty even fight, but I rolled yeah. amazing. Like I, I rolled him. great. Like I yeah. think I, lo yeah. I lost very little and, uh, and destroyed his fleet and really set him back. It felt like, yeah. it felt like he was set back quite a bit because of that maneuver. Right. Um, However, yeah, I mean, that, that really crushed Lizix's game. I, after that, I remember looking at the board and being like, oh my gosh, this leaves Lizix with almost nothing. Yeah, like, except he for... He had almost nothing defending the rest of his slice. Except for, here's the thing. Like, I because I had to turn around to do it, it took me so long to actually just get back yep. into the... Like, there were... there. It was a kind of a control objective heavy game. Well, not heavy, yeah. but like there was enough out there to where yeah. not being able to you get had to any get of out them. There. Yeah. Um, so... That was kind of a problem. And then I, because of his fancy play, I kind of ended up doing my own fancy play, and it was stupid, and I shouldn't have done it. Right. Um, I, he had a, a planet with two undefended PDS, and I had um, Infiltrate, and I, I had to take so much, because he also had Graviton laser system, so I had to bring like a pretty, too big of a fleet, honestly. To, get, to, to dedicate to just taking this kind of somewhat random planet. Now, here, here's here's what I will say for myself. Um, it was a planet that was going to get me a point. It also sure. netted me two PDS. Um, sure. And I felt like made it very clear that like, all right, like L1, you can't keep messing with me. Um, mm -hmm. However, what ended up happening was Sardak uh, invaded my home system because right. I basically left it completely undefended. Um and Again. in my head, I thought that, uh, I thought, well, I mean, I didn't leave it undefended the first time. This time was really bad. Yeah, yeah. The first no, time right. I, the first time I just didn't leave a ship in it. But yeah. this time it was like, I literally took my fleet like quite a ways away from my home system. Right. Um, in my head, uh, as Hakan, I always have this idea that people aren't going to attack me because they would get, they would gain more for, by extorting me. Right. And... I think I just underestimate how much people are like prioritized just blocking other players. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he just decided to, you offered up like trade agreement and, and lots of trade goods. And he was just like, nah, I'm taking the, I'm going to take the planets. And that was it. There right. was just, there wasn't really any negotiating there, which like to his credit, it won him the game. He, he knew he didn't need the money. He had 
He just needed the planets for the points. I, I don't think that's what I think. What won him the game? What? No, he that 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 didn't. That's not, I'm not saying that single maneuver won him the game. I'm just saying that certainly helped. And what he won him the money. game was that he that he had Muat ceasefire and support, support for, for the, the throne. throne, and he never he never got attacked. Right. So that's that's effectively what won him the game. I, I should have put more actual pressure on him, but L1 threw off my. I mean, yeah. like, really, I had to play, like, late-game TI really early yeah. because L1 yep. tried to pull such a crazy maneuver um, yep. that it just required that. And then I overcommitted to something I shouldn't have. And then, yeah, you get punished for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think you and I had pretty similar games that game. And, and our, our mood reflected that. <laughs> we, were both pretty, we were both pretty sad uh, by the midpoint around three yeah, uh, I mean, I, I was just quiet because I also, I'm working this like crazy schedule now where I have to like right, right. be up all night and I had to get I was up quiet because I was devastated. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I honestly, I didn't have that bad of a game. I ended at No, seven. you ended, yeah. Yeah, you ended, you know, right up there. But I, I felt like both of my neighbors really messed with me a lot and uh, I thwarted actually, one really effectively and the other I did not thwart. And yeah, th- it's I'm not- wor- actually it's it's more worth pointing out that if we had stopped Sardak in that final round, you would have won. Yeah, like that. You you were the next to score and win in initiative order. So, you know, very very close to to crawling back from. Well, that I, weird. It was play. the kind of thing I think I would have won if I had gotten another round. Um, I yeah. I had to play that really bad. It's not fun late game to have to where you're just like, all right, I just need this to go one more because yeah. I don't have the points this round. Right. So, um. But I gave myself speaker token in what was going to be going into the final round, so I felt like I had it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've talked a lot, and we haven't even gotten into what like an right, actual yeah. episode of yeah, Space Yeah, what, what are we doing is. this episode about? Well, it's fun because we're we're already on the topic, but we wanna we wanna continue our series of player profiles, Hunter. And yeah. that means uh, we did me already. It's your turn. It's yeah. your turn to be under the microscope. Fun. Uh, so we're going to do a player profile on Hunter. We're going to talk about his history, his history with games and with TI, and then kind of break down what sorts of decisions he makes. And I'm sure we'll, ref- we'll refer back to this game you just heard about a number of times to kind of use that as examples of like what we're talking about. But yeah. uh, let's, do, let's do that. Um, Hunter, Hunter Donaldson, the comedian Hunter Donaldson from Portland, Oregon. Tell me about uh, your history uh, yeah, with strategy so- games. On October 27th, 1989, <laughs> this bundle of joy was brought into the world. Um, I was born at Jefferson County Hospital in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. My doctor's name was Rodney, and I what's peed your, on what's him. What's your birth name? What's your birth name? My birth name is Daniel, um, which is the result of a very boring conversation between <laughs> my parents, where my dad wanted to name me Hunter because he likes to hunt. And isn't that fun? He was like, I want to name my kid after my favorite activity. I'm glad he didn't like, you know, to read or, you know, I'm I'm glad that he didn't have a a lamer thing that he liked. Um, I'm Uh glad I'm not Fisher either. Fisher would have been bad. Um, So he wanted to name me Hunter. My mom thought that was a horrible idea. She wanted to name me Daniel. So the compromise was my middle name would be Hunter. My first name would be Daniel. And then my dad pulled this great kind of late game TI maneuver. (laughs) Uh, where he just told everybody in the world that my name was Hunter. <laughs> and my mom just had to concede. She was just, she just gave up. She was like, I guess he's Hunter. I, I don't know. He's telling everybody that his name is Hunter. Uh, oh, 
I hear I've heard that story multiple times in our lives, and it's still one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty dumb. Uh, the, <laughs> the origin of my life is pretty dumb. Um, but no, let, let's let's talk strategy games. Uh, so uh, I have I would say one difference between me and you, Matt, is that while strategy games is something you pivoted to at a certain point in your life. Yeah. I have been doing it since I was a little baby boy. I have right. been always all, not not all about them, but it's just always been something that I've been into. I grew up with like, you know, like kind of classically, like I'm, I'm not saying this like, oh, I'm the only person that grew up this way, but no, like right. Warcraft 2 was like a huge game to me when I was like really little. Um, Starcraft was huge. All of the Blizzard stuff, uh, which I would, you know, now consider like kind of very like, more more casual strategically um mm-hmm. not to say that those games are easy by any means but like i as i got older i got into more like kind of grand strategy pc games yeah. like the total war series has always been huge to me i really like all of the paradox um strategy games i played a lot of command and conquer when i was a kid i played total annihilation yeah. i played a lot of right. pc strategy games when i was yeah. a kid the flip the flip side of that is like i played age of empires 2 and i just played regicide over and over again and i used all the cheat codes mm-hmm. and that that's that was my pc strategy gaming career yeah see i i i I think I, I mean, I went through a similar phase, I feel like, of wanting to play with all of the cheats on. But then you just kind of get to a point where you're like, this is, I could, this is just not fun. Like, cause. Oh, do you get to that point? Yeah, I did. I, I, I got to a I point didn't. where it I, just <laughs> felt like I was playing with Legos. And I was like, oh, this is stupid. Another thing I loved. Yeah. Following, very specifically following the instruction manuals to Legos. Right. And right. only building what was intended to be built out of the Legos. See, I, it's so, that's so funny because I just had like a big box of, different legos from that different would have sets all broken mixed together. my childhood brain yeah i would just like make whatever um but no so i played a lot of risk uh when i was a kid loved risk um and then in high school i got we we talked a lot about axis and allies in your episode and yeah. uh for me axis and allies was a little bit different for me because i i mean i got into it a lot earlier than you uh yeah. in high school i was just like really all about it and we would play we played we played a game at we went to ihop and set up axis and allies on an ihop monster yeah we were little monsters and uh (laughs) like our server was really upset because like imagine being a server at an ihop and you walk to your table and the entire table is covered with a giant game board with pieces on it. Yeah. You know all, and they're kids too. They're like high school right. kids. Right. You know the second you get there, you're like, this is going to be all day. They're going to be yep. here all day. And they're not ordering any food because where would the food go? <laughs> they don't even have a place for the food to go. So this is going to be like, this is going to require attention from me this all day. This is like day. aggressive loitering. Yeah. This is highly aggressive, aggressive loitering. loitering. <laughs> and you're going to require attention from me all day. And you guys are going to order like what? Like a coffee and a Sprite. Right. And your ticket's going to be like... <laughs> three dollars and a penny and you're not you wouldn't even tip if it was a big ticket but you're definitely not tipping on whatever little tick yeah uh, anyways uh very rude um (laughs) yeah love loved access and allies and then like kind of as the as the board game revolution was going and we were kind of getting into it um 
I was I was crazy looking for strategy games to play, new strategy games to play. Yeah. Because yeah. honestly, before Axis and Allies, I didn't realize that there was a lot of other types of strategy board games. To me, strategy games was just something you did on the computer for right. a long Cause time. Because it, it computes that, right? Yeah, There's, right. How do you have such an in-depth strategy game without lots and lots and lots of calculations and systems in place that right. a computer would handle? And I would say that the thing that we that our stories very much have in common is that I I wanted a game that had a lot of uh, ne- negotiation. I like right. negotiation, even if it sometimes seems like I don't really do a whole lot of it. Um, right. I just have a different dynamic with it. But yeah. um, anyways, so uh, I I'm looking at a lot of different games to play. I'm looking at uh, War of the Ring, which I still haven't played, which I would like yeah. to play. Uh, we yeah. should play. Um, yeah. Agreed. Uh, lots of lots of different board games. I think I even looked at the Game of Thrones board game, even though I didn't know anything about Game of Thrones at the time. Yeah, it was before anyone really knew what that was. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you bought uh, Twilight Imperium, which honestly, from my perspective, because like all of your Axis and Allies days, that's when you're at college, and we did yep. not go to the same college. We went to different right. colleges. So yep. I did not play a lot of strategy games with you. I just knew you were playing Axis and Allies, and right. I'd be like, wow, you guys are playing that. Um, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden you bought Twilight Imperium. And then I was just like, wow, I can't. And to me, before before we started playing Twilight Imperium, I actually thought it looked, uh, and I'm not going to lie, I thought it looked a little bit dumb. Um, <laughs> I really liked. Not the, as a game. No, but like as literally a game, it looked the great. look of it. Yeah. Uh, it, the it, artwork you thought was kind of cheesy and dumb. Yeah. I think if you had asked me before, I would have been like, I think TI is like maybe like a, a three or four game on my list. Like, I don't think it was the game I most thought was going to hook me. Uh-huh. Um, it's hard for me to remember exactly what, though, because I was looking at so much. Um, what I didn't like about War of the Ring was that it was a two player game and I needed yeah. something that we could all play. Right. Um, but I've kind of always been, I think because the first strategy game I ever really got into was Warcraft 2, I have always been like more of a fantasy person when it comes yeah. to um, strategy games. I think fantasy is a better backdrop for for strategy games because uh-huh. everything is a little more streamlined. Um, well, it's grounded in at least, I mean, I know it's fantasy, so there's like magic, but like, to, like space combat is a completely made up idea, whereas mm-hmm. like medieval combat there is a basis in reality right. and you're just adding one extra element. Also, to it. it feels easier to simulate with like plastic and cardboard. Like every yeah. once in a while, if you think about what's happening in Twilight Imperium, it's like the made, fiction breaks down a bit. Yeah, the fiction can <laughs> break down a little uh, because it's like, you know, you'd think like these are the, these are giant intergalactic civilizations and it right. seems like one of their only options is like just to ram spaceships at each other. Yeah. Um, you'd think there would be, you know, it, anyways, it just invites more of that type of thinking. Whereas with fantasy, it's like, yeah, well, I mean, like, they're just like, you know, they're pooping Dudes in the horses street. that have know? to crash into each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They don't even have plumbing. So like, of course they have to fight <laughs> like this. Um, but yeah, so I was a pr- surprised when you got TI. Um, I thought the art was really goofy. Um, and when we first started playing Twilight Imperium, I was really obsessed with the potential of it. And we were playing a lot we yeah. played probably too much early on because yeah. <laughs> I remember I have a lot of memories of early TI being like really um, kind of upset at the Cold War fleet yeah. buildup type. Well, and we flow were especially bad about that. I think I yeah. don't know if all groups have the same experience, but yeah, with TI three, we were very Cold War. Yeah, it was like nobody really wanted to fight um, because they couldn't calculate what fighting would cost and what a yeah. good fight would be. 
But um, you would build up huge fleets. Yeah, everyone you would build was lots building of stuff giant every fleets. Round. Probably even at the like at the expense of not claiming victory points, everybody was building huge fleets. Well, because especially before we got the expansions, like as long as you sat there and claimed two points every now and then from Imperial, yeah. you didn't need to like go out and get as many points. It yeah. kind of encouraged you to just sit there and like wait to bank some points. Right, and then you, do, you would just kind of count up the rounds until you got your Imperial turn again, and then there you go. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, whatever it, it, it was fascinating because of the negotiation and social aspects and the role-playing potential, because that's what we all really liked about Axis right. Allies was pretending to be, yes. you know, Germany Speaking or Britain Russian or whatever. Or yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and just for anybody that plays Axis and Allies, uh, the position that I always like to play uh, is Britain. Britain is my favorite spot to play. Yeah. Uh, in good. Axis and Allies because it's a hard uh, it's a hard position uh, and it's fun. Anyways, uh, that has nothing to do with TI. But um, <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, having a lot of fun with TI, especially when it was just me, you, and Sean playing. When we yeah. we played with a lot of groups that would involve people that did not necessarily want to play TI, and maybe right. they didn't even know they didn't want to until we started playing, and then they would realize yeah. like this is a horrible this mistake. A I don't yep. want to play this. Um, but to kind of fast forward to today, I think we we did a really good job in your episode of kind of covering, you know, the buildup to, to TI4. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of, I feel like you're not very, you are not very good at describing me as a player, but I no, do I'm kind not. of want you to take a whack at it before I, because I, you know, it's the, t- the thing with these types of episodes is that like, I do not want to just sit here and be like, well, I'm like this and like this. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You sh- like other players know a lot more about what I am like to play against than myself. I, I just have an idea right. of my own philosophy when it comes to playing, but right. like, you know. I, there's going to be exceptions to that. There's going to be like, you know, it's one thing to say like, oh, well, I don't do this. But if you're like, oh, well, yeah, you totally did that to me this one game. Well, then it's sure, like, sure. yeah, that's different. That's you cutting me off of the knees of getting to talk about your SAR game. Huh? Anyways. What, what SAR game? I've never played no, SAR. Not not SAR. My SAR game, you as X-Cha. Oh, but let's, yeah. I, I do. I want to talk about what I think of you, like what I, how I think you play. Yeah. Um. So one thing you didn't bring up in there is how you also played a ton of the program AAA, which was Axis oh, and yeah, Allies. Yeah. But you just play by yourself. And, right. And and again with PC games, you'd play a lot mo- like by yourself. Right. I don't know how often you how often did you did you even play those games online? Like how much were you playing StarCraft against people online? Oh well versus so, just playing the campaign and like against the computer. And I stuff. mean with Blizzard games I would say it was probably about 50/50, me playing yeah. single player and me playing multiplayer. Sure. And those um, are more geared towards multiplayer yeah, anyways. But, yeah. But and Total War and stuff. Right. Now that's that is a solo experience completely. Right. Um I mean you so, a lot of those games you can play multiplayer, but the multiplayer is really wonky and I have never cared for it. So right. A, a lot of strategy games I would play by myself. The the Blizzard games were definitely more of a multiplayer leaning experience, but yeah. So the way I I think that informs a lot of how I would categorize you as a player, which is I don't think that you you play more the numbers game and you're ready to like make the deals with people and and talk through stuff, but you're you're still at the end of the day like making sure your stuff is um, you're you're trying to defend well and you're trying to slowly get your slice and you're not doing anything crazy because when you play against a computer you don't have to do anything crazy you just need to overwhelm 
their numbers right. or whatever. You know, you don't you don't have to do weird maneuvers because you're not playing poker. You're not playing against someone else who's right. thinking you're going right. to do this. You're not going to outsmart the computer. You're just going to play better. Steamroll. Yeah, you're just yeah. going to play better. So you seek to play better. I, I've always thought that I'm not actually a very smart player. You you guys always categorize me as someone who sits there and like thinks really meticulously and like finds this through line, but it's because all I'm ever trying to do is find something sneakier because I I don't play the slow game as well. Like right. I don't I don't just build up and and steamroll my opponent. You're a gambler. Well. I, and I, I I I need to gamble. Right. You you set up a slice and I, I think to your credit, it means like you usually, like when you win, it just feels like, oh wow, Hunter just has it. Like, what are you gonna do? He he just built up a foundation and you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you lose, it's because you weren't looking out for that that sneak attack or whatever, right? right. I, I think those things blindside you a lot because it's like that's not what a computer would like. You are playing outside of what seems optimal or or best or or like normal because you're not a computer, so you're doing weird things that that don't always make sense and and sometimes like really specifically don't make sense or don't make sense yet. Right. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I think uh, a way I would put that, that is like more in line with my actual thinking, which is that when someone does something like when someone takes a big risk against me and it pays off, that is that I will, I am always surprised. If if somebody, let's say that somebody's got a 30% chance to win in a fight yeah. against me and they do win, right. I will I I will recognize that it was a 30% chance that it was a low odds. Right. And then just be completely blown away. But this is kind of like it's funny that we've t- talked about uh 538 earlier. Um, yeah. because they I feel like they always the will point. do this thing of like, well, 30% is 30%. Like right. a lot probabilities of times, are, a lot of times are, people round probabilities in a weird way. Like yeah. they'll be like, oh, well, if it's 49%, that means that 51 has it. But that is right. not what that means. That's absolutely that is still, not the case. 49% right. is still a very good chance that something will happen. Yes. There's just a slightly better chance that the other thing will happen. Right. So right. I feel like I'm a, I have a really bad problem of that. So I, I, will, I will be looking at other people's fleet compositions, and if I see that it seems like it's a higher percent chance for for me to win than them, then I, a lot of times I will round and I will think like, oh, well, there's no way that they're going to try this because they'll lose. But then, right. oftentimes things that are unlikely happen in TI, right. and when right. they happen, I'm very like, oh god. Um, yeah, I do still get greedy though. I don't want to make it sound like I. I mean, like there's a stream game. Uh, the one where I'm such a little jerk. Uh, but uh, one of the really dumb things about that game, one of the mistakes that I make is that early on, I get this weird idea in my head that I have a plan that will let me take both of my equidistant systems from right. from like my neighbors. Right. And uh, that's hard. That's really hard yeah. to do. Um, yeah. But I had an idea. And I think my problem sometimes is that I, especially lately, um, because I think in doing the first round strategy guides, I was always just trying to play the right way in my head. I would just be like, I just want to play. I'm not trying to play fancy. I'm trying to play. And you were always turned off by people suggesting magic Christmas land scenarios because magic Christmas lands rely on a bunch of luck. And so you were always just like, no, you can't do that. Like you don't get to think that way if you're trying to make a good strategy. Well, see, and that's the thing is I think I think the guides kind of controlled my thinking for a while because I didn't want to tell 
I, I wanted to give people the, the most steady idea of how to play a certain faction. And now these days, I feel like I know what all the factions are about so well that every time I get just weird ideas in my head of how to play, uh -huh. I didn't necessarily do that with Hakan, but I also feel like I have gotten less good with Hakan, uh, yeah. or I just am just not, I'm not a great Hakan player um, at this at this point. Um, yeah. And I think it's just because uh, I am too obsessed with uh, the power dynamics of negotiation and right. not negotiating constantly. Um, yeah. I am just yeah, always let's talk about that. Yeah, of, let's of, let's go. How how much less you talk these days? How much less you, and and that you almost get annoyed by talking. Like you, oh, well, you get I, really like I, frustrated when people keep trying to like change the deal or or whatever. I feel like angle shooting is becoming a real thing in uh, in Twilight Imperium. That De it, define define that. So like I think that people are extracting information each other from each other by talking and they're accidentally showing their hands and people are reading each other a lot by just yeah. talking a lot and initiating right. a lot of negotiations and getting a lot of information from each other for free. And yeah. I do not, I, I have, if that is your play style, uh, I am literally tr playing against you with my style. I right. do not, and I think it's just a direct result of playing with you so much because that is that is such a cornerstone to your approach right. that I do not. I'm like, no, I do not. I do not want to give away anything to the other yeah. people at the table. Um, right. What I want is to be able to come to the negotiating table already having all the cards in my hand. Right. Um, I. Don't like uh, I don't like making deals that are not favorable to me, um, but I do like making deals. I just want I want to um, I just want to get a fair price for for what uh, yeah. for what is being offered basically. Um, right. And I feel like I in general so like this this is how deal making works with me. Um, I want if the other player starts talking to me uh, saying hey I I want to make a deal. Um, we go, I do not want to talk uh, very much about the deal. I want them to make me an offer. And I want them yeah. to make you, me an offer you fast. You say that in TI games more than anything else. Okay, well, what's your offer? Yeah. Because like, people love to come to you like, hey, uh, your promissory note, what do you what do you think about that? And you're you're always just like, what's your offer? I don't, yeah, I'm but, not talking unless you, you bring, if you're coming to me, come to me with an offer. Right. I won't just like bloviate about like what things could maybe be worth. And I think sometimes people misconstrue that as like me, like basically it's, it's just that until the offer gets made, I, I don't, I'm not going to start negotiating with you. I'm not going to pre-negotiate. Right. I, I, right. I want you to make an offer and then we can talk about it from there. Um, because so, so much of the TI meta has started to become about like kind of, open offers constantly yeah, right um and i just i just don't really play that way i feel like which it, is why you're not as good with hakan anymore because right. that really is like Hakan. Yeah, like yeah. you should have when you saw me be one one hit away from killing that war son as a as like a proper hakan right i would have just jumped like in. hey how much are you going to spend to get this this direct hit right back? right you would have just dove into every single little moment but yeah you weren't you weren't there because i for, i'd basically completely forgotten about it i was just upset and but yeah you're you're not there to like 
just negotiate things. It's right. Like, you know, I, I want people to come to me more than I want to go to other people. Cause I feel like yeah. when you go to other people, you are, it's, you are projecting. I try and project that I don't need your help at all. Right. Um, most of the time. Uh, yeah. and sometimes to a fault. I mean, that's kind of, that, that's kind of the problem with, with this type of strategy, which I'm realizing now that like, you know, it's just that my, my style with TI has shifted and yeah. the factions that I used to really enjoy, I now am not playing within that style. Um, I think I like more aggressive factions these days, like L1. Well, and Barity. aggressive and better at hold. You like L1. You kind of like Arborek. You like Soul, or at least you're good with Soul. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you play a solid Soul. The the factions where they like they get the thing, they hold the thing. There's nothing to talk about. Right. That's what you're you're better at. Right. Uh, I feel like. Yeah, Hakan has suffered because... Well, so I, I feel like I have this value that I think always gets in the way that actually doesn't have anything to do with strategy, which is that I um, I try and play efficiently and quickly. Um, yeah. I, I, the reason I play that way, though, it I think sometimes it gets... Um, people feel like the reason I do that is like some sort of like, I'm just annoyed with everybody else for playing so slow. It's not really like that. I have to play that way because otherwise I will make mistakes. If yeah. I don't stay on top of the game, then right. I will mess up. And yeah. I, I do, that does happen. Like it is, it is TI. It is like, it can be a slog sometimes. There are games where, you know, we're, we're hitting hour four or hour five and all of a sudden I'll be like, wait, what am I doing? And then yeah. I'll realize I did not stay on top of it and I messed up. Right. But like, I, I always want to stay on top of it. Um, and so sometimes I think that that type of attitude of like wanting the game to, to move quickly and not take up too much time uh, cost me some things. Uh, I feel like also negotiating the way that I negotiate sometimes costs me stuff as well because I'm just obsessed with, with the offer. It's about the deal. Yeah. It's about the yeah. offer itself. Um, because I'm not willing to kind of finagle a lot, I think sometimes yeah. that counts me out of a lot of stuff, which yeah. is fine. There are lots of factions where that is total. Like I'm thinking deal. like, uh, you know what? I would really like to play Nalu more because yeah. Nalu, I think, is a perfect type of faction for me to play uh, because they have this, they have a great advantage that is just like kind of solid. And the yeah. one thing they do have that is negotiable, you should not have to offer it up. People should court you for for gift of the Prussians. You know what right. I mean? Like, like right. I, and that's the type of, that's the type of faction I think I really like to play is like, I want to, be, and it, see the thing you is, Hakan used to play like this. It right. used to be that you just needed Hakan's favor. Now Hakan kind of has, has to, to do more. Yeah, right, yep. right. So now Hakan really has to like, like get kind of involved in everything. Um, yeah. And I'm thinking a lot with the action card trading, uh, which I feel like I am getting better with. Um, I still like to play Hakan. I just feel like I used to be very good with Hakan because I just was like, you had a it, solid it was, it was a solid advantage. You knew exactly what you were doing every time you were sitting down. Yeah, I would you just play. Exactly I would play the same way. I would play the same yeah. way. I was obsessed right. with try docking the home system. Yeah, that yeah. was like my whole I, strategy. I want to break down the two things that you like distinctly don't do. Um, because I think it de deserves a little bit more detail. Yeah. One we've already kind of gone into, which is the you you don't gamble. You don't take these weird risky no, plays. No. Which means a, I mean, I genuinely cannot think of a time where you've ever had a devastating loss. 
like a devastating battle. Yeah. I, I cannot remember. Whereas I feel like you could probably find three or four times that's happened. Oh, to like, like every anyone, other game. Every, every other game. game. It's, I, some, some crazy stupid thing. The luck doesn't go my way. And I'm right. just like completely sullen about it. Because when you go into a fight, you go into it like if you don't have the advantage, you're not going to do the fight. You won't. Right. If, unless you have a clear cut 80% or more advantage, like you're just not going to do the fight. Right. What that also means, though, is you don't ever get lucky. Right. You, That's you, true. You very. You never win because of a hail mary pass and it pays off. You yep. win because you were gonna win the whole time because you steamrolled and you did really well. Right. Um. So you never get lucky wins, and and the second thing is, uh, you like because you don't really come to people with with deals that often. You you make them come to you. Uh. It's this like you, you don't extort people. You never. Um. And and I think this plays into the fact of like, you don't. I don't really know what it is for you mentally. I'm curious to break it down, but like, I think maybe it's partly like you don't, I mean, you're not going to make, you're not going to write a check your butt can't cash, right? right? You're not, you're not going to extort. So the only time you've ever extorted anyone was me as extra (laughs) when I was SAR. And it is again, because, and we've said this before, but because it costs you nothing, it costs you one command counter and no money and no ships. Right. That's the only situation. It was literally like a situation where if I did not extort you, that would have been bad play. Like it would have just been like, well, you had an opportunity here. Why did you not take it? It would have cost you nothing. Right. Yeah. But if you have to send ships in and potentially lose those ships and, you know, and, and like you just never go there because the, the, the key to most extortions is like like with that Muat that tried to extort me and then took my home system, he almost lost both of his war sons right. and all of his stuff. Right. Like that was a that was actually a really close call for him. Um, you don't put yourself in those situations. Um, again, for better and worse. Usually, right. I, I'd argue usually for better, just because you. But but the difference there being, if someone else is steamrolling just as well as you, sometimes they get ahead because they'll eventually take the lucky shot, and I, you tend to not. Right, that's true. I I think I think this is just something I feel in my guts, and feel free to disagree with me. I think if you looked at if you somehow had all of our games, all the data from all the games we've ever played in front of you, this is how this is something I think would be true of that data. I think you win more, but I think I have the higher overall points. Like I think if we right. told like for yeah. points overall, I, have I lots feel of really games so- at three points. Yeah, you have lots of games where it did not the risk did not pay off and you right. lost. I crashed and burned really I, hard. I'm pretty much regardless of the game and almost even regardless of permission position i would say the game ended and i was at seven eight nine or ten points like i i don't ever see myself being below seven points at the end of a game even if somebody else ran away with it um i just feel like a more a stable player when it comes to point wise but yeah you're right i think i i win less often because of that type of play right because at the end of the day ti either requires luck or risks and a little or you know both really i agree it's like i agree at the end of the day it's not to say luck is the only way you win but a lot of times you win because something went lucky but i will way. say when i do win it it feels so good because yeah I, I mean i can think of so many times where i've won the game and someone else has said there's nothing we could do like it's yeah. just always and not not just in the last moments like halfway through the round before the last round you know it's going to end at the end of round seven. Right. We are at close to the beginning of round six, and we're like, what are we... It's done. Hunter's yep. going to Hunter's gonna win. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 I feel... 
I don't know. I I feel like I I do struggle with closing the deal a, uh, a lot of games though. There are a lot of games where I'm doing fine. I'm I'm not having a bad game, but I'm not having such a great game that I'm going to finish this up. Um, right. And I do I feel think like you some, are more some of my weakness on... in a player is is because of that. Like I'm a horrible ghost player. Like I right. I never want to play ghost Don't really even at want all. To. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you are. Um maybe more dependent on getting the right objectives for you. I agree with right? that. If, if because... you get objectives that like you really have to go outside of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. you, it's just like not even going to really happen. Right. But as long as the, as long as the points you need are like within your range, you can get them. You don't need to only score off of winning in your pie slice. It's not like that. It's not like a lazy, just like, Oh, I never win unless I have every point from the get go. Right. But like if you, if you get, those objectives where it's like i'm gonna have to like dive into some enemy territory to do that that's not your game it's it's i i think the a a more favorable way to me to put it would be that if the if the way the game ends up playing out is that you need me to mess up in order for someone else to win then i will likely win i don't yeah i don't mess up really no very often in twilight imperium right um and i don't generally I, I try and be a very uh, stable player. And see, right. that's kind of, I think, I think that bleeds into also, like when we were talking about negotiations, I also think that that, t- that type of philosophy bleeds into that, which is that I don't, I don't, I'm not looking for this like really wobbly conversation. I'm looking right. for you to say what you want and yeah. then, or, or say what the price is or, or whatever. Right. Um, right. Mostly just, I think I used to really like negotiation being all wobbly, but I have found it to be, strategically for me not uh as rewarding yeah. as just trying to m- get to the deal part right right I, I would i would say you the mistakes you make are you chose the wrong strategy from the get yes yes when you lose yeah. it's like i just i was going in the wrong like this last gojian brotherhood game like your major choices in the game were in the wrong decision it's it's not that you made a single like yeah. weird wonky play that oh it didn't pay off it's like no 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 no. i chose to go this direction and that was the wrong direction the, to go. the yeah it's it's that the play worked the thing i chose right, to right, do right, right. you succeeded. did exactly what you wanted to do yeah. and it was the wrong but play. it was the wrong play yes yeah yeah wh- like, i agree yeah yeah i think i i think that's that's very accurate. I think that's one of the reasons that I, even though um, Arborek, I think is considered, I think Arborek is becoming a very like niche faction in yeah. the overall. Like, I think there are just some people that love Arborek. That's uh, absolutely true. Yeah, even there's lots though of, cause, cause they're not that good. <laughs> like conversations they, they keep coming up about like of what factions are going to get into the tournament very often, and there's lots of people that are just like. I want to play Arborek in the turn, and there's so many yeah. people that are like, "No, you you'll get completely crushed. You'll be right. destroyed if you play Arborek." But, because there's so many players that know to be aggressive to them early, but the Arborek diehards are like, "Nah, I'll be okay." We, yeah, and Cause see, because Ar- Arborek are my plants. Like, that's I'll see, okay. I love I love the Arborek be- because I feel like so much about the Arborek defi- like as part of my play style, except for the fact that it's a slow start because who nobody likes that. But right. the fact that Arborek is like this kind of like. Very, you know, like you can't, you can't shake them. They're very steady. It's like right. you, you, you have to really take advantage of their problems in order to like deal with them. But like, if they're rooted somewhere, they're rooted somewhere. 
Like right. that you're you're really it. it's very difficult to remove them. Um, a a arborec with like eighteen infantry or yep. sixteen actually is what it ends up being most of the time. I feel like is sixteen ends up being <laughs> the magic number. Um, okay, sixteen infantry on Mechatol. No, that it's I've seen it several times. I get times. it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Sure. It just depends on how many they bring in the beginning and then how much they start multiplying. Yep. But uh, sixteen infantry on Mechatol Rex, like that's what are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, it's just that they so don't get there X-89? a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean I th- I think I think that's a pretty uh a, a pretty fair assessment. I I do want to talk about saltiness a little bit. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I've been trying to I just want to say publicly that I've been trying to work on it. I feel like I, I think people know that. You've kind of said that publicly before yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just know. ever since that stream of me He's being very able to ashamed. watch myself. He's very ashamed by that stream. I am uh, and and being able to watch I I, I saw I mean I I think I Can I uh, Yeah, go ahead. I have to interrupt you there because I have to point out honestly that I think that has improved both you and I as players more than anything else. Uh, if I can give anyone advice, like st- record your games and watch them back. Yeah. You will learn so much about yourself as a player and how you're perceived by players and like what mm-hmm. your offers look like. Yeah. I-, I think that has shaped a lot of how both of us play is like seeing it played back and being like, Oh, Oh, I, I thought I sounded like this, but I actually, I sounded like this. This is what I actually sounded like. And it, that is not what I intended. And yeah, I mean, I know not everybody has like the tools to do that, but it, it's, I think that has really changed the way that you and I play. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think what I want to project as a player, uh, is like a steadiness, a like formidableness. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't want uh, to feel, I don't want like other players to treat me like you can like kind of trifle with me. That's why I like always want to get to the bottom of stuff and I always want to get straight to the deal because I want to get good deals and I feel like projecting that is, is helpful. Um, Saltiness does undoes that. Right. If I am this person that's easily, you know, easily jilted, easily triggered, then that is not helpful for my strategy. And that's something right. that I have realized. Um, and you know it's bad when you're, when you're breaking down, you know, I should be nicer to people because it would be strategically better. For <laughs> but that's how far I that's am. That's the best kind of decision to make, yeah. right? Is, yeah. oh, no, I only want to be nice because it is strategically beneficial to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think uh, also, though, I... Am just quieter on uh, on tabletop simulator. Oh, I just yeah. talk I less mean, because I, there's less. I like doing good Yun Brotherhood games, but I wish we could play them in person so badly. Yeah. I would oh, so yeah. much rather go to conventions and play with people or something than than have to play on TTS. Yeah, we need to go to more. We need to go to more cons and play with people more. It's That's what certainly we need to a do. goal. Certainly a goal. Well, I think we can wrap it up there. I think people have. I think people get. I think the people gist. have had enough of that. Yeah, <laughs> we're done with Hunter. Uh, we want to do more episodes like this, though. Um, yeah. Honestly, like if you are a space kitty, we we highly, you know, if if you don't have any other ideas, we would genuinely love to just bring you on the show and like let's break you down as a player. Let's play yeah. a couple games with you, and then let's let's do a pr- player profile in you. Um, but also, like we want to try probably try to do this with some of the other players that we've had on the show before, and our friend. You know, we want to people know kind of at this point like who. Alex is and who EJ is and and especially Connor. I I think the next one we'll probably eventually do is a player profile on Connor because it seems very fitting. 
Um, and we're going to have holidays coming up where all, all those boys are in one place. So I think we may try to do more of these uh, here in the near future. Yeah, these are fun, especially doing uh, spotlighting. I mean, like, I would be willing to spotlight a player that didn't even make it through the prelibs if I just thought yeah. their play style was really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll do player profiles. That's why I, It times out well with the tournament of, like, people who make interesting decisions in the tournament. Maybe it's not one player profile on one player, but, like, we can do, after the prelims, we can do a player profile on, like, a few of the different types of players that we saw and right. draw in examples from those different players that we saw do those things. Right. So... Yeah, I, I, I like this concept, and, and it's kind of where I want to see more of these things go, is like breaking down individual decision-making, um, because we've covered a lot of the, the groundwork. We're, I think we're a little bit past the point of like breaking down the basics. Now it's time to get into like these sort of nitty-gritty things. Mm -hmm. But let's, let's, jump, let's jump in and out of the podcast and do errata. Let's saunter. Wanna, yeah. Let's saunter away and saunter back. Yeah. All right, so we're going to start with uh, Vaunt, uh, and Vaunt's talking about the utility of last week's episode. Last week's episode, of course, was all about trying to take the factions and say, like, which ones should you play, and what will they teach you, and how will you right. learn stuff? Right. Um, which I think it had a, it, it, the, the title was kind of the hardest thing to nail. About the, that exactly. The, the, and I don't think the title reflects what we were actually... It doesn't reflect what the prompt the Galactic Council gave us. That's right. the problem. Right. So I, I, that's the misleading part. And I think that's kind of what Vaunt gets into. And I want to break down why I agree with Vaunt. Yeah. So so, so here's the comment. Um, I'd probably want to show the ep this episode to my friends who have played TI once already and want to think about playing it again, as opposed to my friends who have never played TI. Um, maybe another way of saying it. it is this episode is about people who really know TI talking to other people who really know TI, discussing what to do when we bring new players to the table and what factions to give them, not brand new players listening and getting ideas how they would develop their TI game. I completely agree with this, yeah, actually. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Th this, that episode, I wanted it to be for new players, but, but the way we ended up breaking down the discussion. I, I agree with Vaunt that um, if I was going to try to share that episode with a new player, I think it, it wouldn't really sell well, but I do recommend it for people trying to keep people coming back, like listen to it. And so that you can offer up those suggestions of factions for them to play. Right. I think that list of factions are the, the, if you have someone play those factions, you have the highest likelihood of them coming back and playing with you more. Yes. Um, yes. And especially we're going to talk here a little bit more about, they need to have played it probably once because um, it's not like we talked about any of those factions as a thing that like teach you the core of TI that well. Besides right. like soul to be fair. I mean, soul, to be fair soul to is us, the best one for that. To be fair to us, we've already done that episode though. The learn. Exactly. To learn go, thing. go to the learn to learn. That's what that exists for. Uh, Brian, the bodacious said, um, and, and this is kind of more about Asarl, but I think it applies to the same point. Uh, I agree that Asarl teaches a player a lot and is great for maybe your third or fourth game. And Stronkowski followed up with Asarl is great for a few games in. I think it's terrible for game one. And this is probably a fair argument. Now, again, we put Asarl like sixth on our list or something. You know, they, right. it's not like we right. said they were like top pick. But I do agree that you need to like be familiar with the 
generalizations of TI before like Asaril is like, oh, and now I'm going to like see the goofy maneuvers and the crazy stuff I can do. It's just um, rough because of the action cards, really. It's like you're going to yeah, have to see so many of them. And that's where yep. so much of the confusion can happen in TI, which is like, what's the timing windows? Like, I don't understand yeah. when I but, play this. And the other argument is like the 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 ability on the action sheet doesn't make any sense why would i stall and it does take some time to figure out like what stalling is even important for for sure so again i i think i mean the the reality of the situation though is and this is what we said in the learn to learn play a faction that you thematically gel with that is at the end of the day the most important thing yeah play a faction that you are interested in because that's going to hold your interest more than anything else i agree mechanically most of the factions are complicated. Not everyone, like, we're talking about games that are, I'm one player that is played, and I'm playing with five people that are new. Right. You can't, you can't get everyone a good faction that's going to be perfect for them. Yeah, if you're a group of five and you're bringing in a brand new sixth, let them play Soul, let them play Jolnar, something like that. Um, but it, it, when it's a whole new group, you can't just make, like, a blanket suggestion for everyone because it, it gets pretty... It gets pretty tricky. Yeah. I honestly, for some reason, I really like L1. I, I still kind of stand by L1 and Barony being good oh, yeah. starter I mean, factions. Because yeah. they're just like, they they fight. They're, it's like the same logic that people use when they think that Sardak would be a good starting faction. Right. But except it's, it's, it's actual. Reality. Like, yeah. Right. Right. Um, so here's something from EJ. This is kind of inside baseball. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's talking about teaching new players uh, every game. Um yeah, P- people asked. People were w- w- a discussion got broken down because he, you know, people were basically empathizing with EJ about like, oh man, it must suck to teach new players all every, the time, every, all the Cause, time, yeah, because that's what EJ was going through. So I, EJ said this in the Discord, and I just thought it was a really good point of how to bring in new people. So again, if this is a, if that last episode was to for for people. Um, trying to think of how they approach introducing new players, not for actually introducing the new players themselves. I think this is good advice. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So, yeah. uh, Honestly, the way I have worked it out is to play as openly as I can, announcing the moves I'm making and why I make them. I let players make mistakes independently and only help them when the obvious move is obvious and they are about to overlook that. I generally present that in the form of options and stay objective about prospective turns they could take. The game becomes less about posturing and mechanics and more about developing basic strategies so that the game will be interesting by round four. I worry less about victory points and more about the pizza phase. For as inaccessible uh, as TI is to teach, it is a very good... It's very good good to to have casual and fun early rounds as they translate to competitive games in later rounds. And most importantly, a lower turnover rate for the next game. Now, I actually really... The point he makes towards the end there, I think, is fantastic. And I do not know that I've heard that point before, which is that when you're teaching someone, just don't, like, let the early... Just give them a lot of advice in the early rounds because... That's going to be when everything is easy to, as far yeah. as like it's not going to affect your game so much right. to tell them how to play right early, basically. Yeah, right, right, right. That's Just a very them, good point. Let them spread out and do what they're going to do, and then you'll make cool, interesting decisions round four. Yeah. You just kind of got to get through three rounds of like, just keep building. Do what right. you want to do. Right, right. Don't do something crazy stupid. Right. And you'll be good. Right. 
And that's it. That's really, we knocked that much errata. Actually, this is kind of weird. I, I almost wasn't going to say this, but this is the first episode we've ever done. We didn't get a single comment on Reddit. Uh, it's starting to feel like the Discord is completely taking over. It was a lively Discord thread, and just for the first time, nothing nothing on the, on the subreddit. Wow. Yeah, it's weird. But, uh, but I mean, the, the Discord was kind of all over the place too it was it was talking about this stuff but then huge sidetrack conversations about i mean i don't even know what they've been going all over the place uh as we're recording lexi made just like this ridiculously huge post that i can't even read right now but like people have been going on tangents and rants Mm -hmm. all week uh, about this episode i don't know what it is about this episode that's getting people sidetracked but I should, I, should ch- I should check out the Discord sometime, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you had... <laughs> Some, yeah, I, they might like it if you came around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's funny to see me, like, very rarely mentioned, but whenever I am, it's basically just, like, somebody's like, is that, is he ever on? Like, it, <laughs> and someone will be like, hey, so, is Hun- where's Hunter? Like, uh, well, I don't think he ever gets on this. Uh, it's weird. I do log in and, and lurk a lot. I just I just don't yeah. post so much. Yeah. But yeah. I should he, post he more. He saves all the talking for the show. Yeah, that's true. That's true. This well, is this is my Discord. This is this is Hunter's Discord. You can follow us on Twitter at SpaceCatsPod for game updates and announcements. You can also follow us on Facebook for announcements and you can ask me questions there. You can like uh, us you can on follow, Facebook. You, you can like, like us on, on Facebook. Facebook. You don't follow it. Well, actually, you can do it both now. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can comment on the t- subreddit, r slash Twilight Imperium. We post there every single week and you can get in on the discussion there or on our Discord. Uh, the BGG Guild, I don't even think I posted a thread on the BGG Guild for last week's episode. What? But, um, but RoboFish is fish tank. I know. What about... <laughs> uh, You've you got to feed the RoboFish. SpaceCatsPeaceTurtles at gmail.com uh, to submit stories of Play of the Week and This Imperium Life. We're trying to build up for a This Imperium Life episode all about salty stories. So please send us your salty stories that aren't mean-spirited, but maybe kind of own up to your own. Basically, it's Hunter and I keep watching these stream games where we're salty, and we want everyone else to own up to their mistakes as well. So please help us make make us feel better about ourselves yeah also something submitting I, your sad stories something i've noticed is something i just wanted just a quick shout out is that all of the people in the goodyear brotherhood are just they're very well behaved they're very nice people and <laughs> it's a bummer because i'll just realize how how just how nasty yeah. children we are basically because <laughs> we'll play these games and they're just all so good at having like, a good time and even. we're just like ah! i hate that you attacked me <laughs> Uh, please join our Discord. Get in the conversation. You can also get our uh, your Patreon benefits there. Speaking of, join our Patreon. Uh, we, we offer lots of different benefits for different tiers. You can play games with us. You can get episodes about yourself. You can contribute to streams. Uh, you can even vote on upcoming episodes. Uh, please rate us on your podcast app of choice, especially Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Uh, it increases visibility and increases uh, the amount of people that play Twilight Imperium. Oh, yeah. Hunter Donaldson. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, so I'm a comedian. Uh, I don't have a whole lot left uh, for this month, uh, but uh, you can catch me every Thursday. I co-host a show called Earthquake Hurricane uh, that happens at a coffee shop in Portland, Oregon called uh, Ford Food and Drink. Uh, that show starts at 8. Uh, it's been really hopping lately, that show. Um, it's been really fun, um, and I love that. I, I, I love my co-hosts, and I love doing that show. Um, 
on November 23rd, you can see How me. How dare you have other co-hosts? I do. I do other things. Uh, <laughs> I even try and do other podcasts sometimes. So, <clears throat> so yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, another show you can check out uh, is on November 23rd. It's a show called The Looney Bin, which is not my favorite show name for a show. Uh, I don't like it when people try and do this thing like comedians are... They're crazy. and the, There's a venue in Arkansas called the yeah, Looney. Yeah, there is. In Little Rock, Arkansas, there's a Ugh. place called the Looney. I just I just hate that. Like, like yeah. I like comedians are not... Like, a lot Looney. of comics are actually really boring, sad, regular people. No, they're people. not sad. That's, I <laughs> get so tired of people characterizing it like that. Like, sometimes people even bring other people on stage. Like, your next comic, what a sad, sappy little loser this person yeah. is. <laughs> Give it up. For Sad Sappy Loser Comic. Yay! Yay! You're a big loser. <laughs> Love it. Um, so, the, yeah, this show's called The Looney Bin. Uh, don't come. and No, or come. <laughs> whatever. Um, it starts at 8 p.m. It's at a bar called uh, Kelly's Olympian. Um, and then on... So, I lately... I, I, I guess I mistyped uh, this next comedy date for, like, the I last couple episodes. And I was saying that the show was on November 31st. So, uh, another errata. Hunter, which, give us this next errata. Yeah, I think in Mac We Trust pointed it out. He was like, okay. hey, there isn't 31 days in November. That <laughs> is a day that doesn't exist, you dingus. Someone um, said, oh, no, no. He meant February 20th or February 30th. <laughs> so... Uh, the show is, this show is, I've been saying is on November 31st. It's actually on November 30th. Um, and it is a part of a comedy series of shows that happens all across the West Coast called Don't Tell Comedy. Um, the location is secret and it's like a cool, like super hip show. Uh-huh. Um, and that's, I, I know it starts at eight, but I don't know where it is yet. So you would have to message me. How do they me. find out? Uh, just we message me message on you. Discord. And I, I will, or, uh, or or message us on the Space Cats Peace Turtles uh, Facebook. I'll yeah. make sure he reads it. Yeah, that'll there. that show will be. You, if you come to that show, you're gonna be like, "Whoa, Hunter's like a pro comedian," because it will appear that way. But I am not. <laughs> um, so let's thank our our uh, Patreon. I want to thank our Space Kitties. I want to thank Jim Boff, Jada Peck, Dustin Doom, Nathan Swenson, and In Mac We Trust. Um, and I also want to thank our Goodyen Brotherhood people and, and a couple people who stepped up, too. We had a couple non-Goodyen Brotherhoods. So we played with Nathan Swenson, and we also played with uh, T.G. Welch, and then Pink and Zendog, who are Galactic Counselors, stepped in and filled out the rest of the game for us. So I want to thank all of you for playing with us. Yeah, that was that, that was such, it was a fun game. It was great. Um, it was fun, even though I was sad the whole time. It's it, just, it, I, I was, it, it was at least like I was present of mind enough to recognize that like everyone else was having a oh. great time, and I was having the kind of like I'm here, I'm just trying to you know scramble along, but it was still fun. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I want to specifically call uh, Zen Dog and Pink out for both playing factions that we regularly dunk on, but yeah. that we basically have dunked on the whole time that we have yep. done this show. And uh, basically schooled us with them. Yeah, yeah. Pink won as Sardak, and Zendog was right behind him. Crazy good Muwak game. Like, just uh, like an unrecognizable faction to me. I was very jealous. Yep, yep, yep. Hunter, give us that play of the week. This is a weird play of the week uh, as far as play of the weeks go. but uh, And and maybe it's a little, I don't know. You'll see. I think it's great, but it is a little bit masturbatory. Oh, okay. Go ahead. (laughs) All right. So this one is from Ben Waldron. Um, Every month, my group of friends meet up for a night of board games. Traditionally, we like to play games that allow six to eight players as we are as we all are into the social aspects as well as playing the actual game. 
This has been going on for over a year now, but we recently started looking for something new to play that didn't cost too much. One of our group members mentioned this one game, Twilight Imperium, that was supposed to be epic, only to be met with grumbles that it is a uh, hundred pounds plus. I guess they're they are from these are a UK listener. Hundred pounds. I don't even know how much money that is. Probably a million dollars. Um, I think it's comparable to how much it costs in America. Nope. Uh, All right. So go ahead. <laughs> no one. Oh, okay. I should read this in a British accent now. No one was very keen on it. No, just I won't do that. That that. <laughs> um, no one was very keen on it. I, however, loved the look of it. Okay, we disagreed there as far as that, that blush, <laughs> first, first blush. Um, I loved the look of it, but not wanting to splash out all of that cash on an unknown game, I decided to look it up first. After searching a bit on the internet, oh, this is, oh, okay. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Uh, I decided to look into the off chance that someone might have made a podcast about it. Okay, Matt. Uh, to, <laughs> it's good later. I just it's it's part of. To it. my surprise, I stumbled on Space Cats Peace Turtles, which is a podcast you might have heard of, listener. Um, knowing nothing about previous versions of Twilight Imperium or this one, I decided to give it a go. I was hooked on the podcast and loved what I heard about the game, so I decided to pay the hundred pounds and hoped for the best. We should send this to Fantasy Flight. Um, <laughs> pay us. <laughs> What Once the game arrived, I told my group that I bought it, and the next game night needed to start a little earlier than normal. The response was punctuated with comments of, Mate, you spent how much? I told my friends, pick a race and go listen to the first round strategy for that race, and trust me, it's going to be good. My first ever game of TI cost me 100 pounds, but all my friends loved it, and now we play it every month. When the game was over, they all agreed to chip in and split the cost. I got 16 pounds each from the other, from the five other players, and no one has looked back since. What a sweet, what a little sweet story. What a sweet little story. See, uh, it's not about us. It's about the whole group in the end coming together and chipping in and realizing they had a good time. No one's paid me back for my investment of two games of Twilight Imperium. S- Hunter. Yeah, uh, well, I, I have paid you back in... Uh, playing with Time. you. That was that was what I <laughs> enduring paid playing, enduring with me. it, um, <laughs> and sticking with and sticking by you through it all. Um, Thanks, sweetie. I. Uh, so, what is the actual play of the week? The, the play is, is the, shelling out a hundred pounds on a whim. You know what I think the implied play I identify is? with that. I'm gonna say this. I think this is our first meta play of the week. I think mm-hmm. this is a play of the week about me and you. And, and that we made this say. show, <laughs> and that was the play of the week. Good play, Matt and Hunter. You guys made a show about Shut your favorite up. game. I was going to say, play. I was going to say the play of the week is if you if you make a play of the week that just like bloats our egos, you'll get it. Oh, put you'll on the definitely show. get in it. Uh, <laughs> no, how about this? Actually, I can put a nice bow on this whole episode. Okay, this was the it. act because of the context of this play of the week. The actual play that they are referencing is that on October twenty seventh, nineteen eighty nine, this bundle <laughs> of joy was brought into the world. I was born in Jefferson County Hospital in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. <laughs> And my doctor's name was Rodney, and I peed on him. And if I hadn't peed on Rodney, we would not be here right now. And this play of the week would not exist. They would have never bought that game, and he would have never gotten... Actually, you know what? Give me my 16 pounds. 
<laughs> I want 16 pounds, same share as everybody. If, if we're going to go there, it's it's really your mom and dad that are owed eight pounds a piece. Yeah, I want you to take, I want you to send eight pounds to <laughs> Carl Donaldson and Michelle <laughs> Dahlquist. They have different Just last send names. send it to the Pine Bluff Fire Department and they'll, he'll get yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds great. Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. And so, uh, the fun thing is... I'm, I'm so sorry, my cat is like really, like really messing up you. this recording session right now. Kay. I don't know if maybe you should keep this in, but like, <laughs> I just want you to know that Ira is being a naughty boy and quit it. All right. Get, where are you? Where are you? <laughs> there he is. All right. I'm going to throw him out the window or something. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Why are you doing this right now? This is not, you were fine just a minute ago. We fed you. We did all the things. We're, we're holding up our end of the deal, okay? <laughs> I love I love my cat.